off the shelf. Welcome, friends, to Off the Shelf. Normally, a place where we review comics uh, that are, we have read and find really enjoyable. But tonight, we have another special edition of Off the Shelf. Uh, tonight, Sam and I are here with Joshua Wise, who is the creator of the All Ports Open Network and the creator of The Hard Lessons, a new uh, tabletop role-playing game that he is currently itch funding. Uh, Sam, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing well. And uh, I think this fits in well with Off the Shelf because um, I know a lot of comic book stores now are stocking games. So it's just another thing that you can pull off the shelf. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Joshua, welcome to Church of the Geeks Off the Shelf. How are you doing? Tonight? Thank you. Yeah, it's good. It's been the first, first time I'm in church in a while. So um... <laughs> <laughs> it counts. It counts. Yeah, it counts. Yeah, absolutely. Pass the offering and we'll go. Right. Sure. Sure. Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. Doing all right. Uh, this is the first time I'm getting to like talk about this uh, outside of my own network, uh, which is just sort of preaching to the choir. So, which isn't bad. No, not at all. No, you want to preach. I've to had the to preach to the choirs listening. before. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes you're the only ones listening. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. What is the All Ports Open Network? Why don't you start with that? Just sure. Uh, the All Ports Open Network, or APON, is what we we generally shorten sure. it to. Uh, is um, it started a few years back, probably three years ago, three and a half years ago now, and way back in the day, the one of the two guys I founded it with, one of those guys left, uh, but one of the guys I founded it with, the guy that that you you know uh, is uh, Father that ben gamer Wallace. priest, that yeah. gamer priest uh, Ben Wallace. He and I went to seminary together. Um, mm-hmm. He was there going to be a priest. I was there going to be an academic. He's still a priest. I'm no longer an academic. Uh, so, but what we what did last was that we started up a podcast back then called No Avatars Allowed. Um, and we did that for about a year and a half back then. Uh, and then we stopped. Life kind of got in the way. Uh, then I went, I did my PhD. I came back to the area and um, Ben and I just sort of said like, hey, let's go do, let's do No Avatars Allowed again. That was a lot of fun. And then because I can't do anything simply, like I have a problem where I can't ever do anything and just go like, I'm just going to do this one thing. I was like, let's do a whole network. Let's do podcasts about everything with gaming. So let's do a podcast about video games. Let's do a podcast about tabletop games. And then let's have like an actual play as well. And uh, that's how it sort of started. It started with No Avatars Allowed, the PDP 10 podcast, which was a wildly badly named podcast is a podcast about tabletop games named after a computer so um (laughs) but i needed to get the name pdp 10 into something because it is a it is a computer that means a lot to me um even though it was sort of functioning before i was born and then uh we did this uh actual play show called um uh refugees of esmeralda that blaine martin did and he was the sort of the third guy who was uh who founded the network with us and it's really grown since then we've got a uh it's sort of grown and contracted. We've tried uh, doing a bunch of podcasts. We've done a lot of streaming. And then over the last year and a half or so, we were like, let's make some games. And last year I started a Kickstarter and then killed it. That's the second Kickstarter I've started and then killed because I was like, this is going to fund, but it's not going to fund in a way I feel good about. So I created a game and it's really good that I killed it because it wasn't ready. Uh, a game called The Worst Days, which is a tragic horror RPG uh, that is about being young uh, and sort of the horrors of being young, but also then like vampires. And the idea of The Worst Days is basically you just like you create deep relationships between characters, you make them forget it's a horror game, and then you kill all of them 
terribly with some supernatural, terrible evil. Mm. That sounds um, awesome. It's, it is so much fun. We play on Monday and Tuesday nights on Twitch and uh, we have a couple of really good groups and like the fun of creating characters that get deeply emotionally involved in each other and then have to sort of watch each other die uh, is is lots of fun for a role play game. Terrible in real life, but great in a game. Um, and so the uh, the worst days is sort of the big project. And in the process, I was like, oh, you know what? Uh, one of the games that we really are inspired by is the quiet year. I mean, have you guys played the quiet year? Not played I've, it, but I, I have seen it played. Okay. Yeah, I have, I haven't played it, but I know I'm familiar with it from uh, the adventure zone. Cause that's yes. what they, that's what they're, they use to set up their current uh, story arc. Yes. So actually there's a funny story about that. When they did that, they were like, we, we are not the first people to do that. And I was like, yeah, I know. That's how we started Refugees of Esmeralda. We started with The Quiet Year. And they were like, "We there's another podcast that did this. And I was like, are they are they going <laughs> to name drop our podcast? Do the McElroys <laughs> listen to our podcast? Um, and they were like, and the name of that podcast was R something. And as I'm listening to them, I'm like, are we about to get? And it was a totally different show that kind of sounded like Refugees of Esmeralda. Uh... And so I was like, oh, wait, did this other show rip us off is that what happened am i about to like go crazy on some other podcast and be like you stole our idea and i found out that happened like six months before our show and i was like did we steal that idea did we steal the idea and i didn't know it like um (laughs) but so we used the quiet year back in the day to do some world building stuff i actually used it to create some of the background to weeping cedars which is our kind of big horror podcast um and uh but i love that collaborative storytelling idea yes. and just where yes. all you have is a deck of cards and and uh you know pencil and paper so the hard lessons became that sort of idea of like can we make a game or can i make a game because i sort of this was mine ben is kind of making his own games we collaborate in the sense of like i create a game he creates a game and then we play test them uh but we're sort of off doing our own things and so i created the hard lessons in basically like a day and the idea behind it really was just like okay what would you get together to tell story about? Um, and what would uh, sort of, I, I like generational stories. I like stories where like um, one generation sort of carries on the story from the last generation. Um, and the hard lessons really is a sto- this sort of game about students talking about the sort of generational passing on from their teacher after the teacher has died. Um but, it, you know, it's not like an English teacher can be. I don't know anybody who's played it with an English teacher. But it's sort of like the premise is what happens if four Robins get together and talk about Batman? Or, like, what mm-hmm. happens when four mm-hmm. Jedi get together and talk about their old master? Um, you know, that idea. And it's system agnostic. And it's, you know, sort of uh, you can do anything with it. Um, but it really created this idea of, like, well, maybe we want to make games for writers. Like, in the sense that we make games for people who want to create and that that's kind of where the, the hard lessons lives is, is you could play it or you could play it as an AI of like, wait, I want to make something and I'm going to make something together with friends. Um, yeah. So that's kind of, that's sort of the, the genesis of that, that whole thing. It's such a cool concept to have not just a game, but a game that can start another game mm-hmm. and it, and have that, sort of as the using this as a premise to build something greater or even I, I that's so cool that you even mentioned just for writing a story you can get together and 
collaborate and create a world with other people and then start to write within that world, you know, rather than try and discern how this world operates sort of as you, as you fly. Yeah. I think there is this sort of generation of writers. I mean, it's not limited to one generation, but I think there is a sort of generation of writers who were like, well, time to pick up the torch that Tolkien dropped. And I am now going to write my world from top to bottom and mm-hmm. I'm going to write my languages and I'm going to, you know, you have um, your M.A.R. Barkers who made like Tecumel. Uh, you guys know Tecumel? Um, was like the second role play no. game. Uh, it was it, it was a it was basically you guys should look up M.A.R. Barker. He's like the Muslim J.R.R. Tolkien. Uh, he was a professor in America, Muslim American and wrote an entire like world based on like Middle Eastern history oh, and cool. mythology and culture. Um, and then uh, Raymond E. Feist got in a lot of trouble in the eighties because he sort of ripped off Tecumel like whole cloth <laughs> um, for his, his, uh, his worlds. Um, there, there is a sort of whole generation of people like, and you know, uh, a song of ice and fire is sort of that too. But there's also this, like uh, Ben and I were talking earlier today about Dragonlance and the idea that mm-hmm. like those books are all just characters from their game. Like Tasselhoff is somebody's right. character. And that's such a cool idea that like you create a world together and you bounce ideas off of people and you sort of, I mean, in another way it's picking up from Tolkien because you sort of do what the Silmarillion says the gods did, right? Like they all get together and they make the world together. Um, and there's something really cool about collaborative storytelling along with, in my mind, because I write Weeping Cedars completely by myself as sort of a maniac writing like 200 years of history of this little town. Um, There is something to just sort of authorial voice, but there is also something really cool. But when somebody looks at something, you sort of plucked up out of the sand and goes, yeah, but if you turn it this way, there's this facet of it and you can do all this other stuff with it. And that's what like is so cool about that sort of collaborative people's imaginations there's also something really fun about like with games like this where you can help them create by asking the right questions Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. there are a lot of times when i've played the hard lessons where i'll say like what did the ring have on it like if someone's just like yeah and he was wearing a ring and go like okay what kind of stone was on the ring and you watch them go like we talked about a black rock like 15 minutes ago the ring is black and like you, you can sort of watch this co-creation happen. That that is that's really inspiring and a lot of fun. I would imagine it also. Then you have to have the right people, yeah, to do this kind of game. Because if you get I, the person yeah. who is not into the, uh-huh. oh, I'm going to take this and go further with it or build upon it, you're just going to be like, yeah, it was a it was a ring. Yep, mm-hmm. right. nothing special. Right. And that's okay. Like you, you lose too. that opportunity. Right. Yeah. You do lose an opportunity. And you you also, though, you get to, you know, fill that stuff in yourself if you want to. Um, there are prompts in the game, which, like, as part of the... I'm in the middle of a rewrite. So we sort of released an Ashcan version, which had this sort of... Uh, everybody gets a, a suit of cards. You draw the cards and, you know, you just, you discuss these important points throughout the history of your lessons with the teacher and each card represents a different question, but there's only like 12 of them. And I was like, okay, well you're getting a lot of repeats. So what if literally in the whole deck, every card meant something different. 
Um, and so there are all these prompts that you get to kind of push you along if you're not sort of the storyteller. But yeah, I mean, I, I think you do. You need to you need to kind of be the kind of person who likes to improv, who likes to to create, mm-hmm. to find those little moments of connection. But I think that's true for most games where you have creativity. Like my wife is very like she's a theater person, but role play games are not her thing. Like mm, she okay. likes theater. She loves theater. She's good at theater. She directs and all that sort of stuff. But like the idea of sitting down and pretending off the cuff to be somebody else, not her thing. So like, yeah, that's not D and D is not a good game for her. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so I think you need to, it needs to kind of suit, but um, you know, I think that's true of games like dread and uh, 10 candles as well, where, you're handed narrative control in certain things. Um, and you you can kind of watch people grow in those games. You can kind of watch people go like, so, um, yeah, no, I go from this cabin to this cabin. Uh, and then they watch somebody else go like, okay, well, three years have passed. And we have escaped uh, the thing and we've, you know, established our lives. But now, um, now there's a knock at the door. And people go like, oh, I really can do anything. Uh, and I, so I think you need like it's okay to bring those kind of people in and say like yeah you just say that it's a ring but watch and eventually <coughs> you, they might be like it was yes. a black rock but it was a black rock with an insignia on it and like that insignia if you remember was back you know like that sort of thing yeah it's it's really cool and when people can really collaborate on stuff like that and they can mm-hmm. take you know someone can take an idea and that might be some very simple thing and turn it into something else. And uh, yeah, kind of like in um, the adventure zone, I remember like there was some, like something where, you know, someone made, Oh, this is this cave that goes somewhere. And then like five, you know, five scenes later is like, Oh, you know what? That cave is really a skull. Right. (laughs) And, and, you know, it changed that whole, the whole, you know, dynamic of, of, uh, of the, the, the story. So. Yeah, I'm a firm believer in Stephen King's philosophy of writing, which is that writers are archaeologists, that um, people don't make up stories, people discover stories. And like any archaeologist, your fossil might not be great, or it might be really good, and then you might not be a good excavator, or you might be a great excavator. And there's some sort of Punnett square of great fossil, great archaeologist, bad fossil, bad archaeologist, and then other combinations of those. And I think that what we discover when we do these things, when we collaboratively tell stories is that someone sort of says like, well, yeah, I found a cave. Here it is. There's a cave over here. And somebody else looks at that for a while and then goes like, yeah, that cave is a skull. Like, like that, like it's less of like, for me, it's less about like coming up with the idea and sort of discovering it and going like, Oh, I know what that is. That is. And you see the sort of like webs spin out Mm -hmm. from it and you go, Oh, the, the narrative possibility is sort of the equivalent of a yes and of yeah. you know, storytelling with the hard lessons. Mm-hmm. Right? doesn't matter whatever kind of student and uh, students uh, come back with sort of the memorial of yeah. yeah the memorial service or the night before whatever they get in the conversation. So how does it uh, you have it? Is it is it played much like the uh, uh, the quiet year then like one person sort of just sort of corrals the the folk and, and keep things moving or not really. And that's actually not how the quiet year usually works. That's how Griffin did it in because he was the game master, but the quiet years is, is largely just like you draw a card. Maybe somebody knows the rules a little bit better, but 
each person has narrative control in their turn kind of completely. And that's how the hard lessons is. It, so if we were all playing, uh, we'd all sort of de sort of determine at the beginning, what kind of school did we all go to? Was it a wizarding school? Was it, you know, like, are we, are we all detectives who all like learned under the same private dick? What is this? Right. And um, when is it? Uh, where are we? We kind of fill all that stuff in. And then uh, there's a deck of cards in front of us. And each suit represents uh, sort of a face of the teacher or a face of the master. There's, you know, jovial, there's stern, there's caring, uh, there's uh, melancholy. Um, and uh, each each card you flip over, and you play with just a regular deck of cards and then look up what each card means. So you mm -hmm. can flip one over and it'll say, you know, um, uh, a student visits visited the school uh, and stole something. And the master, um, you know, uh, caught the thief and let him go. Um, what did they steal? Who was the thief? What happened to them? Um, and these are all sort of prompts. You can ignore the prompts and sort of tell the story in your own way. But the framework is uh, four sort of moments throughout your time with the master. So the first round is we all talk about when we met the master. The second round is our first lesson with the master. And the third is when we left the school. And then the fourth is how the master died. Mm -hmm. um, and we are, we're all sort of telling our experiences until we get to the last one where we all sort of talk about how, what we heard or how, what we know about how the master died. Um, and at the end, we all decide, do we continue the school? Do we just let it be as it is? Does one of us take up the mantle of the master? Do we burn the whole thing down? Um, and I've played games where we, we worked for the worst spy master ever. Uh, and we were like, we're burning this whole thing down. Um, and we, and we played one where we were pirates and we, that's where we sort of developed the idea of you take a drink at the end of your story and you sort of, you know, raise a toast to the master. Um, and so that became sort of this, uh, somatic element to the game where you would sort of end your turn by toasting the master and you could do it happily, or you can do it with, you know, sardonic anger or whatever you want to do. Um, but that's sort of how it goes. You go around and tell stories. Other people can ask you questions about your story. Um, the cards give you prompts and then there's sort of a framework for what story you're telling at any given time. Um, and then there's a couple of things where like, you might be a spy. Uh, you might've never gone to the school. You might, you know, like you might just be there with an agenda, uh, to make sure the school closes or so that you get put in charge. Um, and with the new version, uh, I've added the idea that you might uh, you might be a reincarnation of the master or believe that you are. Um, and so uh -huh. uh, you might. And so those are cards you draw at the beginning to determine what what was your attitude towards the master? Did you love the master? Did you never feel loved by the master? Those sorts of things. And that's all secret. Um, and then at the end, you, you just sort of uh, reveal all of that at the end. And, and maybe you win. Uh, because you were the 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 spy or whatever, and your goal was to destroy the school, and it got destroyed, so you sort of won. Um, but it's not so much a game about winning all the time. It's also right, just sort of, right. you know, making the story as you go. Yeah, that's awesome. Cool. That sounds really fun. Which, I will say, you said you've never played with an English teacher? Well, we've never played with an English teacher in the sense that, like, the English teacher was the master. 
Oh, oh, I see. Yeah, I see. I yeah. gotcha. It's, it's, I we've say, never been like it's our it's our middle school history teacher that we've all gotten together now to to toast. Um, my mother is an English teacher, so I've I've done most things uh, <laughs> under the the watchful eye of an English teacher. <laughs> I was only going to say because uh, the really wonderful things we're talking about this now, but we are uh-huh. going to play it and we're going right. to we'll put it up on the podcast. But so folks can hear how it goes. So if any of this sounds like what are they talking about? You'll hear it. Right. Um, yeah. Because and one, we're going to bring in uh, uh, Mike, who is our who is our regular DM for our Tuesday night uh, cool. D&D game. And he is an English teacher. So he Excellent. is. Right. He feels like this is going to be. <laughs> he's very excited about this uh, as we do this. So, well, this is great. And so how do how do folks you are you are itch funding this? Right. Uh, and so and where do they find that? So uh, you can do sort of the long uh, URL, but uh, right now I have, uh, it's bit.ly slash THL, all in caps, dash itch with a capital I. Um, And if you do bit.ly slash THL dot itch, or dash itch, you get there. Otherwise, you can just look up Apon Games uh, on itch. and I'm sure you guys have like show notes or whatever, right? Yeah, I'm gonna I was gonna yeah. say we're gonna put that we're gonna put the bit.ly link in our show notes. So cool, cool, cool. cool. Folks will folks will be able to find it. Um yeah. but yeah, so that's funding. Right now we have it set to keep funding through the beginning of June. We are really close to the pirate playset coming out. Uh we're probably gonna do all the playsets that are listed there, but like at least for itch. For people who are funding on itch, if you pay 10 bucks, you get everything that we're putting out connected to the itch. Everything that's funded on the itch, you get. If it doesn't, <laughs> that's sort of the weird thing, is if it doesn't fund past a certain point and then we go make that, the, the itch thing doesn't really cover it. Um, so maybe what we'll end up doing is people who back on the itch uh, will get a discount on some of that other stuff. But we're going to be putting together a Patreon as well. Kind of whoever's on there is just going to kind of get everything that we do. Um but yeah, so you can kind of wait because it's already been funded. That's one of those things is like it's well, not like cool. Kickstarter where like if you don't reach your goal, it doesn't happen. Uh, it's, it's just sort of whatever you get, you get. Um, but yeah, I really hope we do the the pirate one because I have a, a plan for creating one new rule for each playset, sort of like Magic does. Uh, yeah. Where like there's a there's a special mechanic for each playset, and I really like the one for the for the pirate theme. Um, but we're also just going to be doing a whole, a completely unique group of 52 cards for each set, which means it's a lot of work to come up with 52 unique mm-hmm. scenarios. Um, right. But, but to make it worth it to sort of go down a whole like pirate themed thing, uh, we're going to be doing, you know, whole new decks for, for each playset. That's outstanding. That'd be really cool. Yeah, hopefully. All right. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully. Right. Exactly. Where do they find you or where's Apon? Allportsopen.com or uh, I think I just created a link tree for um, Allportsopen. And I think it's just like linktree.com slash Allportsopen. Well, it'll be link tr.ee slash Allportsopen. Okay. So link. uh, I'm a little bit less familiar with Linktree. Uh, but I know that I'm supposed to say that there's nothing, uh, on that link tree that would get anybody in trouble. (laughs) Um, Ah, yes, (laughs) yes, that's a fair, uh, come on. Yes. I have had link tree for our uh, campus ministry. I love it. It's super helpful, but yes, there are other link trees that maybe, maybe you don't want to go to. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so all of our stuff is on there from our Twitch channel, 
uh, to our YouTube. We put all of our Twitch stuff up on YouTube. So all of our actual plays, all of our play tests. Actually, we're doing another play test of the hard lessons tomorrow night as we record this. So that'll be up on YouTube. And um, we kind of throw everything everywhere as, as much as we can. Awesome. Well, so, we'll yeah. definitely put, right, we're definitely going to put the link tree in our show cool. notes so that folks get access to everything that you're doing. Because yeah, it sounds like you have a lot of really cool things going. Yeah, we, we hope. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a lot. Um, and uh, we we really like doing it. Um, and we got I, I will say the best thing kind of about all of it is we built a little community of of people who like to play characters and tell stories. And that is the idea of selling the stuff that we're, we make is really great. That would be wonderful. But we also really like building the community and and playing with people. And that's been really, really cool. Cool. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. Uh, everyone, uh, get a chance to check it out. Uh, take a look at it. It'll be a lot of fun and we'll, uh, hopefully get, uh, our actual play version up on the podcast here soon. Uh, uh as soon as we can arrange schedules. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Joshua, thanks so much for, uh, coming on board. Yeah. Um, thanks for having me. And yeah, no really enjoyed talking to you, Sam. Uh, have a good night, man. Yeah, right. you too. All right. Uh, everybody, uh, as always, uh, you can check with, check us out at Geek Church or uh, geek.church on our website. Um, but uh, trust in God, wear a mask, wash your hands, get ba- vaccinated and boosted. And as always, geek be with you. And also with you. And with thy spirit. <laughs> oh, no. Covering all the bases. <laughs>